All right. Hey, y'all. I am back. It's your girl, Ayana, with another episode of the Software Podcast. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. This podcast is where I talk about my journey toward finding softness inside technology. Um, And this podcast is actually presented by CETA School, which is a skill building platform for learning how to code through a Black feminist lens. I'm currently offering one-on-one coaching for Black feminists looking to develop a coding portfolio of five projects in 15 weeks. So if this sounds like you or someone you know, um, tell them to visit cedaschool.com to book a free consultation call where we'll, you know, hop on Zoom to discuss your web development goals or their web development goals and how CETA School might be able to help. And I'll put the links and all of this is going to be in the show notes. Um, but lastly, if you want to find this podcast and all major podcast apps, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on social media or with other Black feminists who are on this similar journey, right? This journey of finding softness in technology, which is, I think, a continuous journey we're all on right now, right? Um, So let's dive right in. And quick note, if you listened to last week's podcast, you will notice um, some audio glitchiness towards the end which I was just like, I'm going to leave in there. I'm going to refuse perfectionism, which I will talk a little bit more um, about later. But I'm not only going to refuse perfectionism, but I'm also just going to, it's too funny to not to, to, to not publish it and to take it out because it's it's hilarious. In that exact episode, I was like, you know, you know, all you got to do is open up a Zoom room and press record in order to start a podcast. And then of course, Towards the end, I had some some wanting internet connection, some glitchy internet connection, um, and the audio was spotty as well. So I am actually again in the Zoom room, and I just hit record. And now I, you know, today I made sure I had better internet connection. But listen, y'all, if this podcast at this stage is any more complicated than me pressing record in a Zoom room then it ain't gonna happen. (laughs) I know myself. And until I can collaborate with some sort of podcast specialist or producer, this is how we gonna do it. Um, Glitchiness and all. So so bear with me and have grace. Grace, perfectionism, all themes that I'm gonna like touch on today. Um, But, you know, to jump right in, in many ways, last week's podcast was about stories, right? The stories we tell and the worlds we build on the backs of those stories, inside and outside of our bodies. The stories we tell about the past, the present, and future. The stories that come out of our ability or our struggle with navigating change, uncertainty, and lack of control, which are things that I am like always struggling to navigate, but are kind of necessary struggles, right? Um, our stories of surrender, are usually and are usually intimately tied to our stories of self-worth. Um next week I think I want to talk about surrender, but this week I really want to get into worthiness, y'all. So when I kind of reflect on my three like quote unquote biggest and most recent struggles right now, um, 
the core struggle beneath them all is grappling with a sense of worthiness. This is like a huge theme, huge banner, um, worthiness banner. Because uh, for most of us, struggles with worthiness are seated during childhood. And, you know, while I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about childhood trauma in this episode, <laughs> I will get into the three kind of growth areas I'm currently working through, which are money mindset stuff, receiving love and care, and perfectionism. I'll also share the new stories that I'm telling myself rooted in worthiness, right? Uh, rooted in worthiness and creating fertile soil for surrender in a harvest as wild and emergent as the love we're cultivating for ourselves and each other. So let's get started with money mindset first. This is, this is a big one for me, child, because I have been so comfortable in struggle because, in financial struggles specifically, because um, I had all these stories around, if I really, really, really dived into my earning potential, <laughs> then that would mean much more responsibility, much more expectations put on me, and therefore much more anxiety you know, which is something I've struggled with for most of my life. So I would kind of, I would kind of shut, I would kind of shut down the stories, the visions, the ideas of really, um, really going after my true earning potential, really leveraging the creative ideas, the skills I have, the, uh, you know, the, the, the giftedness of like sh the, the gifted nature of strategy that, that, that I possess. Like I am a strategic thinker. Like I kind of for a long time stepped away um, and ignored a lot of that because as I'll talk about later, one of the stories I was telling myself, more money, more problems, <laughs> more money, more anxiety more money, more responsibility. Like the bigger my life, the bigger, the, the the more abundance I have, the more, and you know, I don't want to conflate abundance with money, but we can, money is a resource in this system that allows us to experience um, a certain lifestyle and experience a certain level of living. Um, and I kind of want to speak very frankly and honestly about that. So like I said, um, in last week's podcast episode, I talked about stories, but I also specifically talked about resigning from my full-time job teaching software engineering to adults looking to enter the tech industry as developers. You know, I helped graduate hundreds of students through the program, you know, along with the team I was working with. And I realized I was at the edge of burnout and needed to take just a you know, few months off to recharge and recalibrate. And a three-month sabbatical, uh, you know, eventually turned into a year of deep healing and unraveling. And in 2021, I faced a lot of my childhood trauma, but I didn't yet connect it to the stories I was telling myself about my relationship with money and my cycles of under-earning. And if you're part of a creative community, you've probably heard this story before, you know, the first one being uh, capitalism is evil. Therefore, the people who make money inside of it are all bad. Uh, and half of this story is very true. 
right? Capitalism is in fact evil and it quite literally relies on Black death to persist. So like, let's get that out the way. Like, let's be real about that. Um, But in a system with no social safety net, finding work that brings you joy and allows you to invest in the well-being of your community and the political ideas aligned with your values can be a powerful and provocative force of hope for combating cynicism, apathy, and despair. And um, child, like despair is real. And honestly, like the Afro pessimist in me is like, oh, I don't know if despair is going anywhere. <laughs> but you know, we 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 collect the joy and we experience the joy where we can. Um, the second story is I am bad with money. And honestly, this may be true. This is actually very true. But a possible reframe is I am unskilled. I'm currently unskilled with managing money and I am investing in the tools, time, and education to become more skilled with this important resource. Another story I carried is more money, more problems, right? Or more money, more problems, which is um, something I mentioned earlier, right? Um, you know, the whole, like, I kind of would always tell myself, you know, I just want to be a craftsperson. I just want to be a craftsperson. I just want to be a weaver, a ceramicist, uh, you know, just living in the woods, detached art studio, forest garden that I feed myself from. You know, I just want enough to survive with. You know, is this $3,000 a month? Is this $1,000 a month? Can I make it on $1,500? How can I get all of my bills as low as possible just to survive on the lowest possible amount of money so that I can do the least possible amount of risk-taking behavior? <laughs> like This is what kind of my brain had been um, calculating for years, for years. Um, and here's the thing. I do want to be a craftsperson living in the woods with a forest garden and a detached art studio. But guess what? I want that shit decked out. Like, let's be real, right? I want to work with a Black woman architect. I want um, levels. I want, you know, beauty. I want architecture that is super sustainable. And I want to work with people um, and materials that help me do that. Like there is, y'all, there's this um, website called Nowness. You're probably familiar with it. Um, If you're not, please look it up. There's some like, uh, it's a beautiful curation of videos. Um, But there's this one series called In Residence. And when I tell you, I've watched probably all of those videos in that series, like 10 times over I want that level of architecture and beauty and aesthetics for myself right um I want decadence I want sustainably sourced high-end materials right like materials that are going to last materials that um spark joy and like delight for me every day um, I want to invest in the practices of other craftspeople and slow makers um I want sanctuary this Black woman wants some sanctuary. 
Um, and let's be real. Like I want, I want luxury. Like we, we just going to call it what it is. And that's just to say, I want to invest in quality rooted in an ethos of sustainability, sustainability, beauty, and stewardship, right? People who are doing work within aesthetics, within the realm of aesthetics and cultural experiences that, that are, that are rooted in like, like a generational, <laughs> like a, a generational mandate. Um, and that requires a bit of investment. Unfortunately, that costs money. Uh, it's not just kind of like abundant freely, like, you know, it may have been in previous times. And I think, you know, that's the world we're all trying to collectively get to where, where craft is um, just a way of life. Uh, but we're not there yet. We're working toward it. Um, but, you know, when I look closer, most of these stories were excuses covering up my perceived sense of being worthy or deserving of having my material needs met in abundance. I had to admit that I wanted to do more than survive, right? I wanted to thrive amidst like iconically legendary aesthetics and cultural experiences. And even more than that, even more important than that to me than having like, you know, than than like living amongst beautiful architecture and aesthetics is I want to grow Cedar School into a multi-million dollar worker-owned cooperative that supports Black feminists at every stage of their software engineering career. These visions require resources. And I realized in order for me to emerge from self-sabotaging cycles of financial struggle and under-earning, I had to adopt a new story. And that story is, I am worthy of having the needs of myself, my family, and my community met, which means I had to abandon the old stories. The new story is these visions are worthy of abundance. I am worthy of abundance. So that's... A little bit of kind of the the self-talk I'm doing around money mindset right now. Um, and I'll probably talk more about this in future podcasts. But something else that uh, I'm working through and kind of like growing through is receiving love and care. Uh, what I've realized is we can spend weeks, months, years on our healing, Right. But being in relationship is when all the tools, child, all the skills and practices truly get put to the test. Don't get me wrong, right? The balm that is the stillness inside spiritual solitude is unmatched. But there is nothing like relationship holding a mirror up to all the stories you tell yourself. I am currently dating. <laughs> And inside, currently inside a relationship where I have received nothing but love and care, right? Yet every few weeks, I'm inventing some reason about why it won't work or why I'm not ready in my, in my like girls group, my group chat. Um, and every now and then the concerns deserve conversation, right? All my feelings are valid. And some of them are like, no, nah, we gotta, we gotta raise this and have an actual conversation, and what ends up happening is boundaries are set and honored. 
needs are acknowledged and met. And then I go invent something else, right? And then a few weeks later, like something else, right? There's another red flag. Um, Until it finally occurred to me, I have been in a cycle of dating emotionally unavailable people because they'll never be able to confirm or deny that core insecurity of unworthiness or unlovability. Why? Because they don't even have the capacity to love me, right? They're, they're emotionally unavailable. They're, che- they're emotionally checked out. They might not even love themselves. Like they may not even have like that, that, that co- cultivated that capacity of radical self-love um, within themselves, that radical self-love that Sonia Renee talks, Sonia Renee Taylor talks about. Um, and, you know, for a long time in that cycle of dating emotionally unavailable people, I thought, you know, I'm safe here. This is comfortable. This is familiar. Forever at a safe distance with a forever wall between us that we just will silently agree to ignore. I know how to navigate this space. Only trouble is, (laughs) or should I say big trouble is, right? That this is the opposite of safety. Here's the new story. Our only hope at safety is inside of care. And healthy, sustainable, and reciprocal reciprocal care is only possible inside connection. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, listen, so... um. P.I.C. abolitionist and zine publisher Miriam Kaba talks about this in one of my favorite podcasts, Season Freedom. Um, it's hosted by Kadada E. Williams in kind of around like the 17 minute mark with them. Miriam Kaba offers, quote, I think we can and should probably learn a lot from disabled communities about this, you know. Care is not just about how we treat each other. It's also about how we care for the planet. It's about enduring a world that is precarious collectively. She says, my friend Elliot Cooley, who is a brilliant organizer, always says that relationships are the most important resource we have. And that points to a culture of care that needs to exist, right? There will actually be no safety that we don't make through collective care. And collective care is, and she says, and collective care, I always talk about and think about it as a form of reciprocal community provision. It's how we make each other possible. It's how we make each other possible, end quote. So, you know, my example um, of receiving love and care was in the context of a romantic relationship. But this, this sentiment, this general sentiment can be applied to all relationships. We are worthy of possibility, y'all. Like we are worthy of love. Mm, mm, that feels so good. I'm going to say that one more time because that gave me like this warmth in my chest that I just want to like, I want to lean into a little while longer. We are worthy of possibility. 
we are worthy of love. Mm. That's delicious. Being worthy of possibility is delicious. Mm. All right. So lastly, the thing that I'm growing through is perfectionism. This is like, woo, this one is a little... This one is tricky, right? Because for a while, it'll have you thinking that you're in commitment to excellence. (laughs) You know, that you are in commitment to not being mediocre. When in reality, you're in commitment to self-doubt, which is a Prentice Hemphill quote that I'm about to get into in a few few seconds. So let's talk about the cycle of self-doubt, perfectionism keeps us in. Embodiment practitioner, writer, and facilitator, Prentice Hemphill reminds us, perfectionism, quote, perfectionism is a commitment to habitual self-doubt, end quote. Can we talk about it, y'all? Can we talk about it? Can we talk about not starting the podcast until you have something, quote unquote, good enough to say? Can we talk about not publishing the newsletter until you have something, quote unquote, good enough to write? Not offering your creative idea, project, or skill to your community until you are, quote unquote, good enough. I had the idea for C to School in 2019 and didn't start offering my writing, words, coaching, or curriculum around the idea until 2022. And while some of that time gap has to do with capacity, COVID, and taking the necessary time, the the, the valuable, like mandatory, right, necessary time to unravel and heal, Another major culprit is years of struggling with perfectionism rooted in fear of abandonment. Here are the some of the like old stories that I was telling myself. These ideas need more time to cook, baby girl. Like you you know, you're not you're not ready to share them just yet. Another story. Girl, you actually have no clue what you're talking about for real. So, you know, go buy some more books and continue to do your research before you open your mouth about that. Last story, kind of like, or I'm not gonna say last story, but one of the the big stories uh, that I was telling myself was your political and creative community will roll their eyes, they'll call bullshit, and form a mass exodus away from your work. Everyone will just be like, ah, bye, we're good. Mm, no, we're, we're, we're actually good on that. <laughs> um, and I want to, you know, I actually want to pause and honor the magical generativity that is the research project process. Like I am obsessed with research. So let's, let's clear that. Let's clear that up. I want to honor that. And I also want to acknowledge the sacred nature of ideas, right? In our full autonomy as creative people, as visionaries, as artists, um, over when, where, if, how we share these ideas. Uh, but in some cases, in my experience, I'm only, I can only speak from my experience. In some cases, there is an offering 
that we know we must present to the world, you know, a vision that just won't leave you alone. And the possible impact is so huge and intimidating that you find yourself in a loop of research, right? Constant tweaking privately, um, you know, in your in your in your private Google Docs, in your private Notion, in your private Notes app on your phone, just tweaking, 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 adding, adding, adding. Um, in this loop of perfectionism, right? In the commitment to habitual self-doubt, truly, if we name it. Whenever these old stories of perfectionism rooted in fear of abandonment creep up for me, I remember my self-worth is not connected to my work. My self-worth is not connected to my work. And I remember that my courage actually feels better than my silence. I remember that I am worthy of being a beginner. I'm worthy of being bad at something, right? Like I'm worthy at making mistakes. I'm worthy of not having it all figured out all at once. I'm worthy of growth. I am worthy of grace. These are all things that I remind myself. And this actually leads us to the three affirmations um, for self-compassion that I've been using this week to help me recenter and remember. And I've kind of been dropping them throughout the episode. But the three affirmations that I've been getting me through this week um, or have been emerging this week that have helped me, that have been helping me recenter and remember are I am worthy of abundance. I am worthy of love. I am worthy of grace. Again, I am worthy of abundance. I am worthy of love. I am worthy of grace. Hmm. It feels so good to say it out loud. It feels so good to affirm that. It feels so good to remind myself of that. And these are like three relatively simple and straightforward, but like elegantly kind of addressing the three major growth areas that I'm working on right now, which are again, money mindset, receiving love and care and perfectionism. And I want to invite y'all to try these on this week. See how they feel. Like, let me know what you think. And I want to, as always, just thank you so much for listening and embarking on this journey of finding softness in technology with me. Um, As so many of our relationships and stories we tell ourselves are being terraformed and mediated by technology, specifically social media, specifically software, it's essential to check in and maintain practices that keep us that keep us engaged with possibility and our worthiness of connection. We're worthy of connection, y'all. We're worthy of the safety inside connection and care. Um, again, to close, software is a podcast where I talk about my journey toward finding softness in technology. This podcast is presented by Cedar School, a skill building platform for learning how to code, 
through a Black feminist lens, the the, the CETA school, the platform that I thought about in 2020 or 2019 and, and that I'm, you know, finally, finally letting breathe out into the world and kind of find its legs. Um, I'm currently, like I said, at the top offering one-on-one coaching for Black feminists looking to develop a coding portfolio in a coding portfolio of five projects in 15 weeks. And I um, create a custom milestone map based on your time capacity and your goals. Visit cdschool.com to book a free consultation where we'll hop on Zoom and discuss um, your goals and, and how we may be able to work together. And if there's alignment, you can find this podcast on the major podcasting apps. And please do, if you feel compelled to, take a screenshot of it, share it on social media, and share it with other Black feminists and other just, you know, like-minded folks who want better, who want a different world, who know a different world is possible, um, and who are also kind of on their own journey toward finding softness inside of technology. I'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks again for listening.